Welcome and thank you for joining us in season three of the Religion Podcast, where a rabbi and a reverend walk into a podcast and talk real about religion. Hey, Joel. Good afternoon. Howdy, Eric. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you doing? You, I'm good. What's you going sure? on? You sure? You seem a little delayed in that response. No, I'm sure. I'm, I'm <laughs> talking to you. How could I not be sure? I'm keeping it real. That's nice. what we do. And you've, you're, you're still a parent of two beautiful children who are growing I mean, and blooming. Thank God, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. The, the two-year-old, yeah, or he's almost two, like that kid knows some stuff. Man, they get smart quick. The three-week-old, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of... Big talker or is more of the silent type? Which, which one? The two-year-old. Oh, no, he's a big talker. His new thing at daycare, I'm convinced he's going to run for mayor later in life. Whenever we pick him up from daycare, he goes up to each kid and says goodbye to them individually. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like a 40-minute process. Uh-huh. <laughs> So what are we talking about this week, buddy? Wow, a, a lot, lot's been uh, going on. I mean, we've been, uh, you had Easter, I had Passover, but there's definitely stuff uh, going on in the world. So uh, you, you want to start us off? Yeah, that's where mine is. Mine is, um, this is one of those weird times where in the last 30 years it hasn't happened, but this time it did, where Passover... Ramadan and Holy Week Easter all collide at the same calendar, and that's in most places. Um, there aren't, there's not the convergence, so to speak, of those overlapping holidays as intensely as there is in the old city of Jerusalem, and the overlap of those three worshiping communities in that one city all at the same time. There was some traffic jams. There was some violence at the Temple Mount slash Aqsa Mosque, um, the Golden Dome. There was some arrests and some rock throwings and some people killed. Um, and I am I'm wondering uh, how you are feeling about um, the, the Jerusalem conflicts and what you've read about them and what you're thinking about them. Yeah, I mean, it, it. So sadly, it's more of the same, right? I mean, it, I, I don't think it's anything new. That's not at all to say that we should be used to it or it it should be normalized. Um, but that that's the one of the challenges of not just Israel but Jerusalem in particular, and and I think Jerusalem is somewhat unique because uh, there are so many holy sites of three major religions that are within not only the same city, but within the same, you know, 
square footage of, you know, what, what one might describe as a small park. You know, I mean, if anyone's ever been to Jerusalem, and Joel, I'm sure you remember this, is, you know, the Temple Mount, you, you could walk in five minutes mm-hmm. and you have the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the Dome of the Rock, Al-Aqsa Mosque, the, um, the, the Western Wall, you know, the Kotel, which is, mm-hmm. uh, and, and not, I mean, and that would be hard enough, but add on top of that, the fact that we all, though all of the denizens of Jerusalem don't get along to begin with, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's just uh, rampant for strife. Yeah, and and the part that really got me was that these armed um, officials of the state entered the holy space and removed worshipers by force. They pulled them out. Now, they said it was in response to um, the uh, the Muslim uh, corner who had protested the uh, Jewish-Israeli police force presence that was they perceived as blocking them or oppressing them or uh, intimidating them. And then there were some rocks thrown, and then the rocks were responded to with rubber bullets and smoke grenades and concussion grenades, and that all ended up into the that worship space being cleared of all the non-Jews for a bit. Uh, and that's the one where I just went, wow. Um, the To use... Uh, it felt like one faith was saying the other faith is violent and then using violence in order to stop the violence of the other faith. And and the and just like the ridiculous uh, hypocrisies in all of that, um, whether you throw a rock or whether you swing a baton, you know, to enter a holy space with weapons and clear it out of one people to make room for another people feels like one of the most unholy actions in all three of the faiths that were attempting to be present there. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And, um, you know, w- there's so many instances of violence, overreach, uh, stereotyping. Um, I'm... I'm Forgetting the term at the air, racial profiling, yeah. that you know, to, to, it's it, it's hard for me anyway to take any specific incident and lay blame firmly one place or another. Which I, I don't think you're suggesting that either. But that um, first of all, there is blame to go everywhere, uh, and it, it is really difficult when each side sees the other as adversarial. I mean, now, one place where I don't, where I'm very firm in in kind of um, rallying against a, a certain kind of whataboutism is, you know, for, there, there's absolutely, you know, stereotyping and for sure racial profiling of Arabs from Israel. Mm-hmm. However, and I do think this matters. And in fact, I think it matters greatly. Israelis are not, I've never seen an instance where there's been a public rallying call of an Israeli leader or a government official literally calling for the death 
of Arabs, or for that they for that their ah, excuse me, or for their people to be drowned in the sea. Whereas yeah. the opposite is true. And and that is that's a difficult thing yeah. for me to wrestle with as a Jew and as a person. Yeah, and I'm I I guess I'm aware that whether or not um they ever say it out loud, right? Words and actions uh, don't always match. So what does it look like to, okay, we've never said that, but your house gets bulldozed. We, we've we never said that, but your olive groves get pushed back and back and back, and your land is taken and is now Israel land, and a, a Jew lives in the house that you used to own. Um, even while they never say, we want you to die officially from the prime minister's pulpit. There are practices of the state that appear to be compressing the other faiths uh, into deeper and deeper and wider, wider corners of it. Um, and I, I don't know if you feel that that's, if that's fair for me to um, sense it being that way. I, I, I certainly think it's fair in terms of looking at the pain and difficult reality on both sides. But mm-hmm. I, I would draw a distinction. Um, you know, when, when you don't recognize the humanity of the other person or of the other people, you know, as a people, yeah. it, it's very hard to have a dialogue. And so how can I sit with someone in good faith and try to make peace if this person and this, again these people they want me and my ilk to to literally not be alive. That is incredibly mm-hmm. difficult. And by the way, let me be very clear: I am not suggesting that every Arab wants that or thinks that or mm-hmm. even intimates that. Yeah. I, what I am saying though is that that rallying cry has been said publicly by leaders, various leaders of Arab and Palestinian communities, whereas yeah. the the opposite is absolutely not. And I, I just go back to a quote from Golda Meir that I think I may have shared on this before is, you know, for us to have peace, and, and I hate to use us them language, but in this case it, it is, for us to have peace, they have to love their children more than they hate us. Mm. Wow, that hurts. Yeah. And I guess what's happening over there is we know that there are some rabbis or imams or priests, uh, pastors who love that uh, three or four or five different faiths converge on Jerusalem and lift praise toward God at the same time though in very different ways, with different voices, with different scriptures, with different uh, foci. But regardless, we know that there are Christian leaders, uh, Muslim leaders, Jewish leaders who love that there's this cacophony of worship in the city all at the same time. And then there are these hardliners, these <laughs> – um, these others who are, are over on the edges, like there was a there was a, a right wing lawmaker who defected from his party 
saying that he was disappointed that his Israeli party wasn't doing more to protect Israel's Jewish identity. And and what he meant by that was cleaning out the the Muslims and Islams and the Christians. Um, and they're especially upset because in this wild holy week, the Jews present were five to ten thousand, the Christians presence were five to ten thousand, but the the Muslims present might have been twenty five, thirty thousand. You know, they they just show up differently for Ramadan and their they, to break their fast, and so there were traffic jams and there were. It was. It's really obvious because of religious dress sometimes, which which faith you are a part of, and um, this you know this lawmaker, this Israeli Jewish lawmaker, felt threatened by the presence of other religious people around him. And that same sense of threat, which typically comes from one corner of the government or the faith, tends to be the corner that has the power to send police with rubber bullets and batons, tends to be the corner of the Muslim faith that calls for destruction of a people and is willing to use a car or a knife or a suicide vest. And it just, I'm... I don't know why the extremists continue to have the power to create enough fear so that there's violence done in a house of worship on a holy week, as opposed to the greater majority of all the faiths saying no. I, you know, I, unfortunately, I think that's the reality everywhere. I mean, that's not only the reality in Jerusalem or globally, but, you know, that, that's the reality probably in, in our own communities, right? The, you know, sometimes the loudest voices for, for good or bad um, are the ones that get attention. And um, that, that is dangerous when, you're, when we're dealing with uh, the the lightning rod of the Middle East, but I, it, it's it's dangerous everywhere. And, you know, the, the move to extremism is not good on any, in, in any part. Mm-hmm. Um, and while the Christians are in a different spot over there and they weren't directly involved in that, um, the Temple Mount Aqsa Mosque moment, they, there is division of the Christians in Jerusalem, um, when they talk about the four quadrants, or you see the Jerusalem cross, you, they talk about four, yeah. and two of those are kind of the Orthodox Christians versus the um, the new Christians or the other Christians, and that division has um, sometimes violence. They sometimes compete for walking certain streets for the stations of the cross. They debate and argue and fight over which space is the more holy and who gets access to it when and at what time. And and it is so strange to me when people of faith fight over access. I, I really don't understand how a faithful community can think of itself as a space that has to be preserved and protected from others as opposed to a faithful community being one that is open and embracing and welcoming of the other, even at the risk of self-destruction. Like most of the faiths have stories where the more beautiful, more holy action is one that welcomes the stranger and the outsider at the expense of their own their own way. 
Um, and it, it's kind of like the Shema itself. Remember, you were the outsider. So for the rest of time, you will always give preferential treatment to the new outsider um, and move through the world with a memory of what it was like to be an outsider so that you will be compassionate to those who are now the outsiders. Um, and and the, the Muslim has a, the, the teachings of Muhammad have a very similar bend to them that reminds them to be very careful with the outsiders and to show hospitality and, and the angles of our faith that call for wall building and separation and protection and violence. I, I don't know where those are from and I don't know how to heal them so that they stop distorting our faiths in ways that embody violence and bullets and concussion grenades and rocks and suicide bombers. I, I'm getting, um, I, I keep looking for that. I want to find it because gosh knows, Jerusalem needs it, the world needs it. Well, th- this is uh, sadly not a solution <laughs> to that very <laughs> real and tragic problem. Um, but something that I think about a lot is the episode in Genesis with Abraham and uh, Lot, his cousin Lot, where you know they they both grow in wealth and in family, and they no longer can ha- can uh, cohabitate on the same land. And there's this passage. Uh, I'm doing it from memory right now, so I'm I'm possibly paraphrasing it incorrectly. But Abraham basically says to Lot, if you go west, I'll go east. If you go north, I'll go south. And it's sometimes looked at this really beautiful way of kind of acknowledging our differences and we're going to go our separate ways, but we're leaving peacefully and even perhaps lovingly. And that is not the way I read that. I read that as incredibly tragic. And it's even more tragic for us, because the problem that Israel has and Jerusalem, Kol Vahomer, as the rabbis say, all the more so has, is there is no room for one people to go north and the other to go south. They have to be in the same space. And so Abraham and Lot solve the problem by essentially um, putting a Band-Aid over it. They don't actually solve the problem. And that doesn't work in the Middle East. And I would say in our lives now, um, that doesn't work either. Yes, I I love that. There's a a story in uh, the Acts of the Apostles. It comes after the Gospels, but where Jesus is dead, Jesus is risen, then Jesus is gone. And everybody's just standing around. Now what? Uh, And they talk about they, they all come together. They start sharing whatever they have with one another in common. They sell the extra possessions that they don't need, and they give the proceeds to others who do have need. They spend time together at or in or around the temple. They break bread together. They have glad and generous hearts, and they add to their number constantly because they aren't dividing and conquering. They are just open and welcoming and People are coming up close, and what do you need? Yeah, we have some of that. Here you go. Um, I think the reason uh, those two, Abraham and Lot, separate is because neither one of them wants to be out of the power seat. I think Abraham wants power over his crew and his finances and his 
flocks and Lot wants power over his. And so they say, you know what? I'm never giving you power over my resources and you're never giving me power over your resources. And the land isn't big enough for both of us. So we're just going to have to spread out a little. Um, but all that does is draw national boundaries at, or religious boundaries or some kind of fence wall between them as opposed to, you know what? I don't have to be in charge. Neither do you. We can do this and stay close and share in common and and have more and more. I I don't know. I, I'm disappointed in Abraham and Lot for making that decision. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you're on a different topic, but it's similar. Let it rip. It it is it is both different and similar. So uh, I'm going to pull this article up again. So. Um, Recently, uh, there was a uh, airplane flight. Uh, I'm trying to see where it was to and from. Uh, 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 and there was a group of Christians that were, I think, on their way to the Ukraine um, to do some volunteer work there, which is wonderful. And on the plane, um, at least in the one picture and video I saw, uh, there's a young man with a guitar basically going up and down the aisles, like, you know, singing very loud uh, what I call <laughs> Jesus songs. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, put that in your mind. You know, I- I'm annoyed if someone talks to me on a plane. <laughs> let-, let it be said, okay? Right. So, if <laughs> and so you know the I think the image is uh, is good enough on its own to 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 warrant some uh, criticism and and maybe even a little outrage, um, but uh, the senator um, uh, Alan Omer from Minnesota, uh, either she tweeted or she she wrote something about how if it, you know imagine if these were Muslims on a plane, and you know and. Yeah, her the, her the quote pat- was, I think my family and I should have a prayer session next time I am on a plane, period. How do you think it will end, question mark? That was her quote. Exactly. And and I you know, I wanna say Alan Omer is a very controversial figure within the Jewish community for all sorts of reasons. I In this so. instant Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in this all, instance, it's all about the Benjamins tweet. Yeah, Yikes. yeah, yeah. Uh, one one of several things. Yeah. but you know, this is this just goes to show people are not all any one thing. And in this instance, she is one hundred percent spot on. Mm-hmm. If if Muslims were to engage in prayer on a plane, people would complain. They would get some people would possibly get nervous, and it would not end well. And um, so she, so she brought, she lifted up that truth, and then uh, I'm sorry to say, from my state, I'm finding <laughs> it again. Just give me one second. Um, okay, edit out my my umming here. Oh, here we go. Why do you hate Christians, Elon? Tweeted Vernon Jones, a Georgia congressional candidate. If the quote, if the freedom of religion we enjoy here in America disturbs you, feel free to pack your bags and head back to Somalia, Sudan, or wherever you're from. So first of all, the the racism there is obvious, right? Yeah. But 
it's again, I mean, you speak about this all the time. It's that freedom from versus freedom of, right? Mm -hmm. And like a person on a plane, whether I'm not, by the way, I'm not questioning whether or not it's legal for the people, you know, to run up and down the aisle singing Jesus songs where people aren't able to silence them. That is, that is not an interesting question for me. Whether it's legal or not, it probably is legal. But is it the right thing to do? Absolutely not. You know, pe- people have the right to their own religious beliefs, which include not being bombarded with yours on a private aircraft that they paid for. If you chartered a plane, go t- go for it, right? In your in your youth group sessions. And you want to invite people to a prayer group? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> oh, it's it's. It, I mean, it's upsetting, it, and it's just upsetting. <laughs> yeah, apparently that guy who was leading it, he's some kind of you know neo-Christian leader, and they do this. They get on subways or buses or whatever, and they invade spaces. And he talks about how people are healed and their back pain is cured. And, you know, and they're saying... Oh, well, wait, in that case... <laughs> <laughs> Yours will be cured when you're not carrying around kiddos anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I... That's what I'm not sure, like, privileged... Uh, Americans understand, um, especially those of us on the Christian side of America, boy, if, let's say, six or eight or ten Muslims knelt down in the middle aisle with prayer rugs and hijabs and beards and, and pulled out incense or something, and boy... I, I know that the good old fellas from Mississippi and Louisiana and Alabama, they'd get nervous and think that they had to tackle somebody and put them in plasticuffs or something so that they wouldn't wreck a plane into the Pentagon again. Um, versus a Christian stands up with 40 people or however many were on that plane singing with him and pulls out a guitar and starts singing uh preaching through song, and everybody's like, oh, God, this guy's annoying. Like, just to call it annoying or rude, they're not understanding the the threat there, um, that if any other faith started doing that in America, most Americans would not get uh, eye-roll and annoyed. They would freak out and start sweating um, and panic. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Now, Vernon Jones is a black guy, right? He's a person of color. So it's weird for some people to say that his tweet about her back to Somalia or Sudan, wherever you came from, and take your brother with you, that is a racist tweet of his. He's a black guy being racist against a an Arab woman, but it's... Y'all, that's racism. And if you need to see it, what it looks like, regardless of its source, there it is. Um, it, it, yeah, <laughs> racism. Absolutely. Some people complain that we all we all think racism is only one direction. I mean, it's the same thing. And and the article that I read said this, so I'm not making it up, but I, I believe it. it. It's the same thing as what you know when Trump said shithole countries. It's the same kind of sentiment. Yes. Now, it it, is. now if Vernon Jones wants to argue. 
with an intellectually honest comment that, you know what? I would like to hope that if you and your Muslim brethren want to pray on a plane, you're allowed to do that. At least that's intellectually honest and um, uh, not contradictory. But yeah. let's be honest. That's, you know, not only is it not what he said, but it's it's so far from what he said that it's clear that he doesn't think that. Yeah. Well, and I doubt Vernon realizes this, but there – or maybe he does. There are people up in Alpharetta and Dunwoody, right, who talk about DeKalb County as an s-hole place, right, in Georgia. So That's a great point. I wonder if he realizes that he is uh, recirculating an insult that is often aimed at him. And yep. he's just picking up a stone that is thrown at him, and he's throwing it at someone else. Which, again, is unfortunately a very human thing to do. And and to re-quote you, <laughs> quoting the Torah, this is another reason why the, over and over again the Torah says, "Do not uh, you were strangers in the land of Egypt, do not treat you know others as a stranger. Because it's so easy to do that. Yeah, so what would happen if we just like – we started doing our podcast episodes on planes. We just got plane tickets, and you and I just started uh, <laughs> co-preaching our but, podcast episodes at the front of every uh, first-class cabin. Running up and down the aisles, by the yeah, way. Yeah, run up and down the aisles. We start co-preaching, and who gets mad at us? <laughs> just like – I, I, I just feel like there's a general unwillingness – by many in the quote-unquote Christian majority that are either unwilling or unable to see that they are not all people. I mean, that that's all that, when I say we, I mean, you know, those of us who are in religious minorities, that's all we're asking. I'm not, I don't necessarily want special dispensation as a Jew. What I want, though, is... When it's Yom Kippur, not to have to argue for students to be released from tests because people literally have no idea what Yom Kippur is. And, well, it's not Christmas, so Mm -hmm. what's the big deal? Like, it just boggles my mind how in 2022 people are unwilling to, to understand this. Yeah. Meanwhile, most public school or public university spring breaks continue to fall on Holy Week, right? And you're like, hmm, <laughs> you know, once upon a time in America, that was very normal for Good Friday to essentially be a national holiday. Um, well, why aren't the other ones also made room for our citizens who aren't of the Christian faith but are of the other faith. Why aren't they given room, days off, space to go celebrate that their holiday equally? Um, and we're like, well, well, because. And what I hate is when people say we're a Judeo-Christian nation. Oh, oh stop yeah. it. Right? Just stop oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're we're trying so hard in a lot of ways to be a Christian nation minus the Judeo part. Like, can we erase that part? Do we have to say that out loud? Oh, and I just remind people all the time: Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> we called him Rabbi. Oh my right. gosh. 
Oh, good stuff. Yep, yep. Good stuff. Thanks for bringing it. Keeping it real, buddy. Same. <laughs> Always. So you're going to be singing. Easter? You're going to come show up at, um, you're going to pick a, ch- a Christian church nearby, and you're just going to walk in and start chanting, singing Torah soon, right? Absolutely. <laughs> See if Vernon Jones tweets about you. Oh, my God. Never, by the way. Never. <laughs> Keep it real, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Real Religion Podcast today, where a rabbi and a reverend walk into a podcast and talk real about religion. I'm Reverend Joel Talbert, and on behalf of Rabbi Eric Linder and all the Real Religion fans out there, we thank you for being with us today and invite you to send us any feedback or suggestions or topic ideas to Real Religion Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep it real.